Well, welcome to The Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm the campus pastor here, one of our campus pastors here at Calvary Church, and we're glad to have you with us as our listeners today. I'm joined by uh, our senior pastor, Sean Winters, and our young adults uh, ministry director, Stephen Anderson, this morning. And Stephen, it's good to have you on the, the podcast today. Yeah, it's good to be on. Glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Stephen, how how many years now have you been at Calvary? So I've been at Calvary for almost four years and then on staff for uh, just over three and a half. One of the things I thought would be good to start with would be just for our listeners to be able to hear your background, how you came to faith in Christ, because as I've gotten to know you, your your own story has significantly shaped the way that you are doing ministry uh, to our young adults and with our young adults here at Calvary Church. So if you wanted to share just briefly, how did you come to faith in Christ? How did how did a college ministry play a, uh, an important role in that? Right, absolutely. So I grew up with my family going to weekly uh, Catholic Mass. And you know, for me, it just really wasn't, it, it didn't really mean much uh, more than a checkbox, um, you know, did, did our good thing for the week, went to mass and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of moved on. And I had always felt this just sort of distance and, and lack of relationship with God that, that, you know, that was just my experience spiritually growing up. And so, you know, I wasn't really, wouldn't say I was living for, for, you know, for God or the name of Jesus. You know, I was really kind of living for, for my own name growing up. And I was honestly like, not not in any public way, but in a lot of private ways, I was kind of a jerk growing up. Like all I cared about was my own success and how others perceived me in school and sports and, and all those things. And it was really what I built my identity on. And I was kind of willing to not treat others well if I thought that it would make myself look better. And so that's kind of how I was throughout high school. Um, I went off to college. I went to Indiana University. So Big Ten public school, 40,000 people. And those things that I built my identity on being good at school and sports and having a lot of friends were suddenly gone as I was rubbing shoulders with D1 athletes and just people who were far smarter than me. And so I, I realized, wow, like, I don't know who I am in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of college students kind of run to that, like, well, who am I now that I'm no longer living in my, in my parents' house? And so I really just wanted to kind of build back what I, what I could of my identity. And so I thought, well, I have control over friends. Like I can just start making friends. Um, but a lot of the people that I was meeting, I was never really a big, big partier. And a lot of the people that I was meeting, that was really what they wanted to do was, was drink and drugs and, and sleep with people all the time. And that just wasn't really, a lot of that wasn't really appealing to me. And so I thought, well, who am I going to be able to meet on campus and make friends with that wouldn't just want to party all the time. I was like, well, I don't know. There's probably some Christians on campus. And so I ended up really going to, um, so that uh, was your first thought was, that was my <laughs> go to the Christians on campus. If you don't want to find the, the parties. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I go and, and there's uh, I saw some, you know, we did a lot of chalk, chalk writing for advertising events and ended up, finding a, a Christian ministry who was like playing ultimate Frisbee and there was probably free food or something. And I was like, perfect free food and friends. Like that's what I'm looking for. And Frisbee. And Frisbee. There exactly. You go. <laughs> now, had you um, played, uh, I'm, I don't know if our listeners probably don't know that you're a big ultimate Frisbee guy. Have you played, had you played ultimate before then? Or was that your first? 
introduction yeah, to ultimate i had played here and there but around that time was when i really started okay um playing that's when i started playing for the indiana team as well so um so yeah ultimate frisbee is big big part of my my life and, and even my you know my my faith journey um, but I ended up going to this and everyone started saying, oh, you got to join this guy's small group, join the small group, join the small group. I was like, I didn't really come here to join a small group, but right. everyone keeps telling me to join it. So sure, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and I just, in, you know, few months into that, you know, being a part of that small group, I was just seeing these guys who had this joy and this depth of relationship that didn't come from, you know, this like, oh, I'm, I'm happy because I I succeed in this or I'm happy because I, I do this. It was, um, I'm happy because I, I know who I am and who I was created to be by God. And this depth of relationship that came from caring deeply and loving people around us and investing in those around us. And I realized that that was really something that I wanted. And I knew that that was rooted in their belief that that was how Jesus lived was for, um, he lived for the people uh, to love others, right? He, he lived for the lost and, and um, for the least of these. And I realized, wow, that's, that's, that's really what I, I want. I want this depth of relationship. And um, so it was really um, one night in our Bible study, one of them brought up Romans ten nine, which Sean preached about just last weekend, mm. um, where Paul writes, when you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be so saved. And I realized I've been calling myself a Christian for a while, but this, this Lordship piece or really kind of following Jesus, right. And, and living after his example and, and, and following his teachings was something I'd never, I'd never really done. And that was something that I, I really wanted to do. And so that was sort of my, my like kind of turning point the night that I really say, that's when I, I committed uh, my life to following Jesus and recognize his lordship. And so it was a, you know, that was the turning point for me um, and went on to lead in that ministry and, and just grew a lot there and ended up kind of after graduation, spending some time a few other places, but eventually just felt called by God to, to move to Minnesota here um, and really create the same kind of ministry that changed me as a, as a college student for college students and young adults up here. That's really cool how, how like food, fun, and Frisbee kind of attracted you, but there was something in that you just kind of picked up in, in who they were and, and the joy that they had. Um, and then added to that was teaching and understanding of their view of God and the view of the gospel and Christ. But, but there's something just winsome about the people there and something you said, they've got something I'm missing. And, and, and I think as believers, sometimes we forget that, that we carry that that light and life within us. And, and it's sometimes even in rubbing shoulders, you know, being ready to point to the hope that we have, but, but that's an awesome, that's an awesome story. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really grabbed me from the beginning was the, really the guy who was leading that small group. Um, his name was also Steven. Um, but there was some, just some turmoil, uh, with my family back home at the time. Um, and so just another one of the kind of piece of my identity that was kind of falling apart. And, and in that freshman year season, um, wherein all that was happening and I didn't know that many people on campus, Steven was the one person who was regularly you know, checking in on me. Hey, how, wow. how are things going with your family? How are you, how are you dealing with that? And just the love that he showed me and those, those small little questions, yeah. it was like, wow, this, 
this guy cares about me more than anybody else on campus and not for any reason other than that's what he thinks Jesus would have done. Hmm. That's awesome. Now, Stephen, in our, uh, our working relationship here at Calvary, we've talked a lot about discipleship and I mean, you've, you've talked about your discipleship experience that you've had in college, you know, college ministry, maybe talk a little bit about how do you, how do you understand discipleship? I mean, you've talked about the importance of relationships, and you've hit on a key word of identity here, too. How do you understand discipleship? And then I want to kind of move into talking about how do you see discipleship playing out in young adult ministry here at Calvary Church? But I just want to talk generally about discipleship for a minute. How do you understand discipleship? What is the What does Jesus call for every Christ follower? Yeah, I think um, at some point earlier this summer, Tucker, you, you actually preached a sermon that I think really kind of summarized even my approach to how I see discipleship um, really well. And you talked about apprenticeship, right? And um, just as we might apprentice as uh, as a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician, we have an apprenticeship for living like Jesus, right? Following his teachings and, and living Christian life. And I think that apprenticeship approach is exactly how I see discipleship. Um, I see that in, um, in an extent it's, you know, there's an apprentice, um, and, and, you know, we, we probably should not quite call ourselves masters, but there's maybe a teacher. Right. And so, you know, it's really, we see it as discipleship at the end of the day is about people. And so somebody who is able to walk alongside you in life, um, and help you seek after living like Jesus would and following his teachings. And I really even think that there's a, there's a piece to this where um, in an apprenticeship and your average apprenticeship, you know, the apprentice goes and seeks out a master um, and, and goes and finds that. And I, I think in a lot of times in, in ministry uh, and in discipleship, we actually flip, we need to flip that. Um, and I think that's one thing that uh, the church as a whole really can grow in is, are we intentionally seeking out people who we can apprentice um, or are we waiting for them to come to us? Um, because, you know, in the great commission, Jesus sent us out to go make disciples, not, not wait for disciples to come, to come to us. And so for us to be able to take that initiative and say, here's somebody who, who, will, you know, maybe isn't following Jesus, but is curious or seeking um, or here's somebody who is new in faith um, and doesn't know that they need to, you know, what the next steps are to growing. Um, I think that's our part of our role is to to go seek after people. Yeah, and it just resonates with what we were talking about earlier in Ephesians 4, where it says Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. So he, he gave gifts. And then verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. So, yeah, it just resonates right there where, you know, God gave gifts to some people, but the purpose of that gifting is so that they can go and equip others. And it, it's this, whether you use apprenticeship or mentoring or discipleship or coaching, whatever kind of feels um, feels like it, it connects with you uh, experientially, but it's this idea that you're equipping people and you're equipping people who can grow and need to grow in faith and knowledge and, uh, and work towards maturity. But I think it's a two-way street, right? As I've had the chance to coach or mentor others, um, it puts 
it, it puts the pressure on me to continue to grow, but it also stretches me that it just happens. Like, you know, I've, I need to set an example. I need to be ready to teach something. I need to be able to kind of listen well. Um, and so there's this, I grow as I grow others and, and by God's grace, they grow too. Right. The, the, the stage where you're starting to help others grow isn't an end stage. Right. right? It's, right. it's really just one more stage. And, and one of the things that we do with our young adult ministries is really, we call it, call it the, the one chapter ahead principle, which mm. is, you know, you don't need to be, like I said, you don't need to be the master in order yeah. to help others grow. And we really just say kind of one, one chapter ahead, right? If you are, you think about it literally, if, if, you know, you just read from, Ephesians there. And, and if I'm reading, you know, if I'm in Ephesians one, you've got something to share. For yeah. me. I'd never heard that. If that's all I've read is Ephesians one, I've never right. heard what you just shared. And so even just being a couple chapters ahead, you know, you've got something to share um, and help me, you know, apply it to my life. What, what I love what you do is you've raised up other young adults to do ministry um, and they're doing ministry. So, you know, your job is to equip them, but their job isn't just to receive. It's to then take that turnaround and equip others, and hopefully that continues to, you know, be a baton passing um, that that raises ministry exponentially. You're listening to the Raw Roast, and I'm having a conversation today with uh, our senior pastor Sean Winters and our young adults ministry director Stephen Anderson about um, just the, the topics of discipleship and um, the call of every Christ follower to to be apprentices of Jesus and to and to make disciples as Jesus calls us to. Stephen, I want to turn our attention and focus specifically on young adults ministry at Calvary Church. Um, how do you weave discipleship and leadership development into young adults ministry? Maybe talk a little bit about your strategy for raising up leaders, because I see you as a very gifted leader yourself and a gifted, a gifted equipper. How have you weaved that into your ministry here at Calvary? Yeah, I think one of the the biggest things is we really try to grow in approaching and, and seeing our our ministry as we call it a, a disciple making movement of young adults within Calvary Church, and so part of that uh, idea of movement I think is I mean it's exciting. Um, it draws in young adults and college students. They want to be a part of that movement, um, and you know, calling that it, it makes it clear that. It's not centered around me um, or our other staff person, right? We're we're not the ones who are doing all of the discipling for all of the young adults and college students. It's it's the we have what we call uh, our leaders, right? Which we we call them our core group leaders. They lead these these small communities that we call core groups, and essentially we we commission these core group leaders to go start a core group. Um, and so we don't, we don't say, Hey, we've got 50 people that are a part of our, our ministry and we're going to divide it out amongst all of you. We, we really say, I mean, at the beginning of the year, it's, it's, we do this leader retreat and there was, you know, 11 people at our leader retreat this year. And we said, we, it's basically the 11 of you are our ministry right now. And there are some people who were a part of it in the past and are, and are a huge part of it last year, but we don't know if they'll be a part of it this year. You know, college students, it's always changing. Young adults are moving and all this. And so it's hard to really say who's going who's gonna to really be back, especially the college students who have been gone for a whole summer um, and who's studying abroad and who's – right? So it's you 11 that we know for sure. 
And so we're going to send you out to go build relationships, to meet people and invite them to be a part of your, your core group. And we really do it in this really grassroots way that says, Hey, if you're a, you're a core group leader, that means like you're going to be the person that whoever you invite to be part of your core group, you're the person they know. You're the one that ha- they have relationship with. They won't have nearly a strong relationship with me. I mean, there are people that are in our ministry that I have never, I've not met yet because we want to emphasize that relationship with a core group leader. And that means if that core group member has a question about theology or they've got a question about, you know, behavior or what should I do in this situation? Or here's a relationship problem that I'm having, or here's a friendship problem that I'm having. Their core group leader is really the one who they go to for it. And so there's a, there's a care aspect to that where you love them well and care for them well. But you as a, as a core group leader, really, you're going to be responsible for helping them see, okay, here's how I can apply scripture to this situation in my life. Here's how I can approach this with, um, with an appropriate worldview. Um, and so it's, it's those core group leaders do a lot of the, the processing and the application and the dis, really just the discipleship, right? Which has to be a stretching experience for these 11. Yeah. And, and I'm sure some of them just really do well and some probably struggle or, um, but that's, that's awesome that you, you give them that chance and equip them to that. Yeah. And, and I, I think really the, the key part of what we do is with these 11 is, I mean, it's not a, we're going to train you up this, you know, this one weekend beforehand and send you out. It's, we are regularly connecting with yeah. them. We're making sure that um, either myself, our other staff member, or or um, some of our, you know, volunteer leaders are really investing well in them, making sure that they're not overextending themselves, mm-hmm. um, making sure that they're growing spiritually as well. Yeah. And so it's really those leaders that we're able to not just bring the most challenge to, but the most investment, right? We're really investing in them um, relationally. We're, we're helping them to grow because that's the, they're the, they're the core of our, of our ministry. That's the, they're the heartbeat of everything yeah. that we do. So, so I can, I can just hear one of our listeners say, this sounds like a lot of time, a lot of investment, a lot of work. Uh, and I, you know, I have a busy schedule of with uh, work life and family. How would you counsel, you know, one of our listeners to practice discipleship in their context, uh, in their neighborhood, in their workplace? How would you counsel them to carry out that task of being apprentices and calling people to follow Jesus in their context when they're when they have all these other demands of life um, already existing? Yeah, I think we we talk a lot about uh, all of life discipleship, which really means like, I mean, at any point we're, we're, we're ready to see what God's got in store for us. I think a little bit of Sean's sermon from last Sunday, again, he, he talked about um, having a list of people that are sort of our, maybe our three people that we really want to um, be praying about and taking opportunities to share with Jesus. But we're also ready. We're ready if something comes. And I think, that's sort of our approach as well is, okay, you've got a few people that we want you to really invest in, in your ministry. Um, and you work intentionally towards that. So you meet you kind of, we have the space where they can meet regularly with them, but they're also ready if something else comes up um, in even just day-to-day life. And I think that's the part that's most applicable is, and you know, we really say, you know, as a, as a human being, you should, 
eat at bare minimum, like two meals a day is probably healthy. Uh, I mean, I'm no dietitian, but I think that's probably yeah, healthy. I like three, but yeah. two, two would probably work. Yeah. I'm more on the like six. I find our lots of ministry opportunity yeah. for Tucker. A lot of college <laughs> students is miss out on, on breakfast. I think. Yeah. You have sleep through it. Um, right. um, but everybody eats meals. Yeah. And well, what if you were intentional about that meal time and you regularly were eating meals with other people? Um, because around that meal, and we see, I mean, that's what Jesus did was around mealtimes, he, he taught and he shared. And, you know, I think that's a rhythm that we regularly have in our lives today. And how can we bring others into that rhythm um, and just open up, you know, a lot of times I think it's, it's pretty even culturally accepted, even if for non-Christians to open a, a meal in prayer. Right. And I think even if you're meeting with a non-Christian and they're on your, on your list of people that you really want to share with, like, I think a lot of them are open to, you know, oh, okay, you're, you're going to start with a prayer. That's okay. And that's just the start of, I can start conversations. I can open doors for that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, think just being ready for all of life, whether it's meals or, um, you know, the people you regularly see in, at the workplace, at your office, wherever it is, um, your neighbors, just being ready to take opportunities. So there's a balance of, I like what you said, that there's that intentional, there's that proactive reaching out to, you know, your, your top three, as you mentioned, Sean, uh, a couple of weeks ago. But then there's also being ready for those, the opportunities that can come from those interruptions in our life, the things that we weren't ready for and looking for, seeing those as divine opportunities for discipleship to take place or or even just that simple like you said praying at a at a meal with uh, someone who's who's not a follower of Jesus yet seeing that as an opportunity uh, so I like that balancing the proactive but also that being ready for those if we want to call them uh, if we want to call them interruptions that sounds sort of negative but those those divine interruptions that we have in our life yeah yeah that's I had um, Becky and I had dinner with one of the three on my list on Friday evening, and uh, we took this couple out for dinner, and and there was that that awkward pause where we talked about beforehand: do we pray? Do we not pray? Like this is a strange setting, and and uh, when when we've had them in our home, we've prayed for a meal, but we thought, you know, let's just in the restaurant, let's just go without the prayer and just kind of. This is the first time that we had had them as a couple, um, and so we did, and and I could tell because my friend and I had met before and he paused. He's like, is, is Sean going to do that prayer thing? <laughs> but I'm like, okay, let's just eat. And it was just a really engaging time. And so you got to, yeah, I mean, a, a part of life is showing up and is being there regularly in front of them. And then, yeah, being ready to come alongside. I, I love that. Come alongside when something goes on. So, you know, one of your leaders might have 10, 11, 12, or six people in their group, but, you know, showing up is good for four of them, but two of them are in some sort of spot. You know, they're they're in that interruption and they need some coming alongside and yeah your 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 leaders aren't masters or you know expert disciplers but they're they're caregivers and mm. they can carry that that winsome love of Christ so that's yeah. awesome and one of the things that I, I appreciate sort of the way that our we've been talking about discipleship and yet we've also talked about it a little bit in the context of people who who aren't following Jesus right so your your list of three and the example you just gave and I think a lot of times when we think about discipleship, we just think about what comes after, you know, a, a conversion event or, yeah. you know, after someone says, oh, I actually, I really do want to follow Jesus. But I think discipleship is, is 
the way that we talk about it with Aaron ministry is all encompassing. It's before that moment as well. Um, because I think some, a lot of times people need to have a little bit of a sense of, okay, what is this? Who, who is Jesus who yeah. you want me to follow before right. I even get there? Right. And so we talk about all of that as part of the discipleship process is, you know, from just a, at a place where you're just starting to, to trust a Christian to um, at a place where, you know, you're making disciples yourself and, and continuing on um, all of that we see as a part of the discipleship process. So I just appreciate that we've, we've included that and, and listeners might've been like, well, that's not really discipleship, but I, I consider yeah, that mission and evangelism a part of discipleship. Yeah. It's gotta be at least two or three significant steps before faith. And, and for some people it's five or six. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was just having a, I was having, we were having dinner with a couple in our neighborhood that we were getting to know. And, and we, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, I, I don't think they have a church background. We haven't really gotten into some of those significant conversations yet, but I feel like I, I can, I feel like I'm cheating in some way just because by nature of my job that I can weave in, I can begin to weave in conversations about faith just by nature of what I do. And one of the things that I was trying to do was to um, really uh, make pastors seem perhaps less weird. I mean, I might, there be, you a, go. I might be a weird guy. How'd that go for you? I might be a weird guy myself. But it it's was, just because you're weird. It's not because you're a pastor. It's just because of who I am. Yeah, it's not, it has nothing to do with the job. Yeah. But just to help maybe demystify it a yeah. little bit and say, hey, I mean, yeah. I'm a somewhat of a normal guy yeah. too, and, and to Absolutely. be able to begin to build that relationship. And I'm, I'm praying that God will give me opportunities to have some more direct conversation about their background and yeah. and the gospel eventually, Stephen. I, one of the principles that I like that you've mentioned is uh, is the box. Uh, this area that you've defined as this is the area that we're going to really intentionally invest in and, and do ministry. Talk a little bit about what led to that decision of creating this this box on a map and how you're beginning to work in within that within that box that ministry area. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think. The source of the box, I would say, was uh, the Holy Spirit, first of all, is I really think that's kind of the, where the guidance came from that. And so this this box idea is like, like you said, Tucker, it's a geographic space on a map. Um, it's right near the Roseville campus. It's um, it's Lexington to, to Cleveland and 36 to Larpender is the space. And, and what's happened over the last six months is... Um, of our young adult leaders who aren't on college campuses, uh, five or six of them, uh, of us really, because I'm, I'm one of them, um, all moved to this place, to this space within this box. Um, you know, and this has got to be a couple months. square, I mean, you know, a couple miles by a couple miles. Yeah, it's, it's a, just it's not that big of an not area. Not that big of an area. Yeah. And we all ended up there. And, you know, a couple of us said, "Oh well, we want to live close to the Roseville campus, which is our, you know, kind of our home, our home church." But you know, we didn't necessarily mean we all wanted to live within biking distance of the Roseville campus, and that's really what we, a lot of us, ended up with. And so we started to say, "Well, well what's going on there? Why is that happening?" I said, "Well, we really kind of focus on kind of three directions in our our ministry. Um, we call them up, in, and out." Um, and that's not our original idea. It's uh, a lot of people have used that before, but this up idea is our relationship with God, right? How are we growing in, in making sure that we're you know, worshiping regularly and praying and spending time in God's word? Um, the indirection is 
building relationships within our community um, and being able to um, invest relationally in one another and care for one another well. And then this outward part is how are we how are we reaching outside of our community? How are we investing in the area that we live? How are we investing in uh, other people? How are we reaching out to non-Christians and building relationships with them and not just becoming insular? And so this, we're kind of, okay, how can we really do this out section well? And at the same time, we're all moving and congregating to the same space. And we said, well, maybe God's at work somewhere in there. And maybe he's saying, uh, you know, Calvary has a, a, a wide reach. Right. There's mm-hmm. people coming in from all over the place, but for our young adults, I mean, a lot of our leaders all landed in this one space. And so what would it look like for us to say, we're going to really be on mission in this community. We're going to build relationships with our neighbors intentionally, and we're going to start to get a sense for what are the needs in this community. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to reach out to the people who know that sort of thing. Um, we're going to, and just say, how can, how can we, um, as a, you know, as a, as a group of young adults, as a part of Calvary church, how can we be a blessing to uh, this neighborhood? How can we invest in the box? Yeah. That's awesome. You know, if you sense the spirit is somehow moved in, in some way that you didn't perceive before, um, you know, continue to say, you know, Lord, if you're in this, then, then help lead us and guide us. And so, you know, I'm praying for you guys that the spirit will continue to lead you into conversations with neighbors and, and we'll see, not only people's lives transform, but that we would learn some things. You know, I, I think every church is challenged with how do you reach your neighbors? It's easy to reach the people that drive from wherever they drive who happen to show up and walk through your door. Um, you know, that's, that's good and that's important, really important work, but they drive by a lot of houses of people who aren't coming. And so how do we really impact um, our immediate area and our neighbors? And, and my hope is that we're going to, we're all going to grow because of what you guys are doing. I want to thank you both for being on today. This has been a good conversation, and uh, I, I really appreciate the the insights that both of you had. I'm, I'm just going to sum it up, the, the big three takeaways for me that I've had. And the first one is to be intentional, uh, be intentional in the way that we, we seek to rub shoulders with those who aren't yet followers of Jesus, to have those conversations, to have the, that lunch or that dinner. Um, to be, so to be intentional uh, to be to be ready, be ready for those opportunities that God brings before us, whether that be, you know, multiple people moving into a box together, <laughs> uh, or uh, you know, being ready for who who God uh, places uh, across the street or or in the cubicle next to you, uh, and then to be focused. So I think narrowing our focus to where's our context, who has God placed before us, and to be really focused on the context that God's that God has uh, placed before us and that God has placed us in. So those are, those are my big three, and I think these are things that any of our listeners can, can take. Uh, you don't have to be a young adult to practice these, and I, my hope is that our listeners would. So I want to thank you for listening, and if you'd like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit us at calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you listen. It also helps if you leave us a review. And if you have questions about today's episode or if you have topics that you would like us to discuss in the future, we would encourage you to email us at podcast at calvarychurch.us. We look forward to having you join us again next week.